So welcome to another episode of the Always Never Write podcast, a podcast for Gen Xers who've gotten to middle age and are just wondering what the fuck happened. How did I get here? I'm Jill Farrell. And I'm Gina Biggs. And today we're going to talk about the best advice we've gotten, which we would like to impart to you. I think, though, that we also still have to say we're not professional advice people. And and maybe not all of this is like groundbreaking advice. It's not the advice that will like change your life or anything like that. It's just stuff that people told us that we're like, oh, that's really cool. That's good news. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, exactly. Because some of it has literally been life changing, even though it seemed like the simplest concept. Yeah, true. That's very true. But before we go in, oh, Jillian, purveyor of the spirits, please do enlighten us about this week's cocktail. I will. Today's cocktail is a Mai Tai. It's super simple. It's a lovely, delicious cocktail. Uh, There's a lot, like when I started doing research on these, there's a lot of different Mai Tais. There's Mai Tais that are like, this one has pineapple juice and this one has coconut rum and this one has all this other crap in it. But we just did like the simple Trader Vic original Mai Tai that is rum, Cointreau, Orja syrup, which is like an almond flavor syrup. I suppose if you couldn't find that, you could use amaretto but i thought the orja was pretty easy to find i just got it on amazon <laughs> me too and, <laughs> and then lime juice and it's you just put all that crap together and shake it up and serve it and it's delicious so many delicious and it oh. smells like jergens lotion <laughs> i hadn't thought about that but it does you shake it you serve it it's it's kind of tangy it doesn't peel your teeth away like it's not that <laughs> And the orja smells sort of like Jergens and, and it smells good and it tastes tangy and sweet. And I I will put the recipe up on alwaysneverwrite.com, our website, which also has links to all of the different ways you can listen to the podcast, which you've already found because you're listening to us right now. And we are recently migrating our platform hosts, so there will be even more options to find and listen to us. But sweet. Yeah, yes. How do you like the taste of this cocktail? What do you think about it? I like it, but then I'm predisposed to liking it because, and I may as well segue into this if you don't mind. Why don't we start with this? Nina likely owes the majority of her life to um, the existence of the Mai Tai. I really need to know about this, actually. Yeah. So here's the thing. And and granted, we were trying for a child, me and DB at the time. Um but uh, we went out to dinner the night before I'm damn sure she was conceived or the night she, I'm damn sure she was conceived. And um, I drank many, 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 many Mai Tais at dinner. Okay. Which for me was three or four, but still. <laughs> did they taste like this to you or did they have all the other crap in it? Like the pineapple? They Those were more um, orange juice based. Oh, okay. Um, I remember him because I remember going, mm, it's breakfasty. And um, yeah. <laughs> it's like breakfast in a, in a cup. I know. Breakfast in a cup that results in babies. <laughs> so, baby making breakfast. So, I guess part of my advice based on that would be if, um, if you're going to get really, really drunk with someone, make sure you're willing to get pregnant by them at the same time. <laughs> Just in case. Just in case. You know, I think. That might be good advice. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure about that. I don't. I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence with that one. 
take that one or leave it. You know, that's <laughs> just. Oh, the fence with that. That's just there. I'm going to erase that from my list now. <laughs> I think that you can do that. Yeah, you can definitely do that. Yeah. Yay. So sorry, Nina. I know you listen to this. Um, you, I preemptively going to tell you to um, skip the first no, 10 minutes. Don't tell her. Okay. That'll be awesome. Just let it be a surprise. There we go. Bless your heart, Nina. And, and start to enjoy it with us. There we like, go. You need to make a Mai Tai for this episode. Start with that, okay? <laughs> so, so I guess another piece of advice. Sorry, go ahead. Here's the recipe. You need to make this, and then you can join us, and then start to listen, because there's something I really want you to hear partway through. <laughs> so I guess another piece of advice is if you're going to traumatize your children, be willing to pay for their therapy. Oh, well, you already did that, so. <laughs> there we go. So, moving on, do you want to take us off this terrifying topic? Because it does well, involve... No, I think I think this parlays well into one of my pieces of advice. Awesome. That's something that um, my boss tells me frequently, and, and that is know your audience. And and he means it in a little bit... <laughs> you almost spit that out your nose. That was awesome. That, that's a brilliant segue. I like that. Thanks. Thanks. I'm looking at my list, and... I feel like that one works really well. So know your audience, what he actually means by that and, and what, how I kind of take that is that it's important that as you're sort of um, going through your day and the kind of comments that you're making, I think it's important that you know who's around you and you're aware of who might be listening. I think it kind of goes to the whole parenting thing of the little pictures have big ears kind of thing, which I never really understood because I don't know what a picture is. And I thought, like, I always thought it meant, like, pitchers, like, you know, pouring pitchers, but pitchers don't have ears at all. So then I thought, well, maybe it was, like, a throwing things pitcher, but why would they be little? I'm going to have to Google this now because you're killing me. So, you know, I think know your audience thing, I think that kind of parlays into that really well. And another piece of advice that he, he gave me that I think is really good is, is to be ready. So you don't have to get ready. Ah, I like that. Isn't that kind of awesome? So that's something that I'm working on a lot. It's one of the things that like when I wake up in the morning, like, I don't want to go to work. It doesn't seem fun today. I still think that I, you know, I plan out my day in my head. So when I get to work, I don't have to like figure out what I'm going to do and all that stuff. So while I'm sitting there faunching with myself and like fussing against raging against the machine, whatever machine that might be. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. I can just like plan out my day in my head and be like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do these things and I'm going to do these things and I get this done and pretend in my head like that's how it's actually going to go. And then maybe it will. So what you find out about little pictures? Little pictures have big, big ears. Basically, dictionary.com, because got to cite my sources. Adults must be careful about what they must say, what they say within the hearing of children. The saying refers to the large handles, ears, sometimes attached to small vessels. Oh. So you know, little soup terrines have big ears. Would also have worked, apparently. Makes more sense. Yeah. I think so. Don't have two handles. Agreed. Now, if I were really off, what's that? 
bowls do like sugar bowls exactly so um which complete aside but you know my favorite sugar bowl and milk creamer set ever it's one of the few things my grandma did right she had the cow ones so <gasps> like the the cow the cream poured out of the cow's yeah. mouth which my is, mom has a whole collection of those those are so cute she's got like oh, 75 or 95 or 100 of them She's got so many of them. I'm somehow not surprised. She thinks the cow is her spirit animal. (laughs) That's why she doesn't eat them. I, I, I. (laughs) (laughs) So cows and apricots are sacred to your mother. Did we talk about the apricot thing before? Oh, we we talked about the apricots. Okay. I feel like, yeah, we did. That was in like episode three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So your mom, I can't even. You know, apricots are not road trip food. No. So do tell us about good segue. Good do, do tell us about your I'm road doing trip. So food. Well with that today. So I do want to talk about road trip food. This is a piece of advice that I have for everybody. I think road trip food should always look like a nine year old was set loose at the convenience <laughs> store with like a hundred dollar bill and just said, Go buy whatever you want, man. <laughs> And he was able to just go in and get anything because that's road trip food. And, and I, and I think it's important to note road trip food cannot be real people food. However, so so I can't have Funyuns with dinner No. Okay. Just check. But real people food can be road trip food. Like you can bring food from your house, like crackers and crap like that. You can bring that. You can bring that on the road. That's cool. But you cannot take road trip food and expect to eat it at home. Like you can finish off what you had on your road trip, but you don't go to the grocery store and buy combos. You literally can buy combos at the grocery store. I didn't know if you knew that, but you shouldn't unless you're going on a road trip. So what do you mean by combos? Just uh, You know what a combo is? Combos are those little pretzel things that are filled with cheese. They're like this big and they're from the eighties. They still make those. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I was, we were dirt poor in the eighties. So I thought you were talking about like a value meal at McDonald's or something. No, no, no. Combos are these little bags of pretzels or you can get the pretzel ones that are filled with cheese or you can get the ones that are pizza flavored that are like little tiny weird pizza crackers Filled with pizza-flavored jizz. (laughs) (laughs) And now I will never eat them. Thank you very much. They're delicious. (laughs) If they're filled with jizz, honey, they are not delicious. It's pizza jizz. It's pizza jizz. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. You get pizza the hut, and maybe I'll reconsider. Yeah, pizza the hut. Oh, no, not, not him. He's not cute. But Tom DeLuise is adorable. But I digress severely. Let's move on. So, No, let's stop for just a minute. You said you're not going to eat pizza flavor combos because of the jizz. And then you said, unless it was Pizza the Hut. And then you said Dom DeLuise is adorable, which goes to imply. Did I say I would if it were pizza? I thought I said. You kind mm. of did. Oh, crap. Okay, well, can we which move to. now? That's super gross. Damn it. You know, yeah, I feel I'm the one who's supposed to be able to cross examine people, not you. Yeah, you kind of said it, though. 
damn it. I've got to really work on my skills. So can we switch to Peter Delavise? Um, we can table that for later. Marginally better, but he's still a Delawise, and I'm kind of stuck on that one. You remember Twenty One Jump Street, though? Yeah, that was good. Yeah, but so. now I'm now I'm kind of stuck on Wizards of Waverly Place. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, Children kind of ruined a lot of people for us. Yeah, they so. did. Yeah. So there's another piece of advice. Be prepared to have your childhoods ruined by your children's childhoods. Yeah, that happens a lot. Or by children in general. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because they they can be complete dicks. (laughs) (laughs) Even the most awesome ones. Even the most awesome ones can be like just. Yeah, it can be bad. Yeah, they're worth it. But, boy, there are days when you're like, can I just lock you in a room for 18 years because I'm tired? I have to say, this past weekend, we dropped Millie off with her dad. And so she's back in the Midwest for the summer. And uh, there's a piece of me that's like, wee, I get a month off. (laughs) Technically, I'm supposed to have two months off, but I think we all know that that's not how that's going to work. <laughs> no. She is going from this really sort of fancy pants town where some of her friends' parents drive Maseratis and um, have like all kinds of fancy houses. And like we don't have a fancy house, but we do have a pool of our own. And she's going to a super tiny town that is so small they don't even have a Walmart. <laughs> they have a Sonic and a Dollar General. And that's wow. it. They have stoplights, don't they? Um, I don't think so. Oh, okay. I was going to say if they do, they still beat my hometown. But... I can't really think of where there is one. Like, I've driven through the whole town and there might be one... In the downtown area. Now they live close to a couple other towns. And she lives close enough to my sister. That my sister drives through that town several times a week. So she'll be able to pick her up if she wants to go visit. Or hang out with her cousin. And um, she can go visit my mom. Who lives in a little bit bigger town. But she left all her friends behind. And Mm. I anticipate that within 12 days, 12, mm. dropped her off yesterday, 12 days, we get the call that's like, I want to come home. I don't like it here. They're being mean to me. This sucks. <laughs> uh, so 12 is the over-under. Got it. Yep. 12 is the over-under at this point. I told her she had to stay through June, and then we would talk about it. So at this point, I'm counting on only 30 days, kid mm. free. Fair play, which is, you know, probably another piece of advice, which I did not think of to put on the list before this, but your life changes a lot based on what your kids' needs are at any given moment. It's kind of worth it, mm-hmm. though I now have 30 days where I get to go to any restaurant I want <laughs> and eat whatever food I want, whatever day I want, and I don't have to go to Subway at all, not once. Mm-hmm. 
that's beautiful. I feel you because this weekend we finally made the decision that AJ, who, you know, like is on the autism spectrum, he's got Asperger's. Yep. We finally made the experiment of trying short trips away from home while leaving him here. He's old enough. He is old enough. We decide, and I don't want to be one of those parents whose kids is technically special needs and feels like they have to overmother and overprotect on everything. So we decided, let's go to Sam's Club. And we did. And we were gone two hours and we came back and he was still alive. It was beautiful. So I actually don't see it coming from you. Touche. Okay, so maybe John the Brit suggested it, and I was very panicked, but went along with it to experiment. Really, That was, surprises me a lot, because I could see him being much more reluctant to go off and leave AJ than yeah. you. Yeah, it was, um, he suggested it, but at the same time, I was the one that, when I got to the store, suddenly realized the kid has never made an effort to memorize our phone numbers or anything else. So if there's an emergency, what does he do? Well, I was very, I think it's really important that you talk to him now that you have done this once and you make sure he knows your address, your phone number. You guys need to get him a phone because if you're going to be going off and leaving him, you guys don't have a landline, right? We do. We do. Oh, do you? Okay. Well, if you have a landline, it's not as big deal, but you need to get him a phone so he can reach you. Yeah. He's... He's 11, but he's not only an Aspie, he's also a teenage boy. He's going to wander off and lose attention. Yeah. yeah. You're going to, he's going to need that. Yeah. I want to be able to track his location. So yes. there we go. And with short of chipping him, the best <laughs> thing to do is get him a phone and a watch. We chip the cats? Yeah. Well, they can't wear a watch. True. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's a piece of advice that I would give a lot of people. If you have old people in your lives that you love, um, if you have young people in your lives that you love, if you have clumsy people in your lives that you love, (laughs) um, I recommend Apple Watch. And here's why. The most recent version of Apple Watch has a couple of features that are amazing. And the first one is a fall feature where if you fall and you can't get up, the watch will actually ask you if you need that, if you need to text somebody. And if you do, you just, the watch will literally text them for you that says that you've fallen and you need help. If you are, if you fall and you're immobile for a full minute, the watch will call 911 for you <laughs> without you having to confirm or anything like that. The watch will call 911 and dispatch the 911 folks to your house and it'll automatically notify your emergency contacts. That is a big deal. I'm considering doing this for my mother who is completely technologically illiterate. Like I spent most of the weekend with her and it was incredibly strenuous and like, I can't even, but this is something that I'm actually considering doing for her. You know, I'm thinking more and more I need to tell John the Brit for my birthday I need an Apple Watch because we all know what I'm like. How about I tell John the Brit you need it for your birthday? You know, if you could, that'd be marvelous because then I won't feel as much like I'm being a pushy weasel. I'll tell him. Bless your heart. I love you. 
but speaking of parents, so I'm going to segue um, into one of my pieces of advice, which okay. is, which the statement I put on the list that I sent to you was this has nothing to do with flying. Okay. But yeah, I'm interesting in that. Yeah. This Inter- is where I'm interested in that. All right. This is where it came from. Shortly after my dad passed away, um, I was still at the job where I had to fly almost weekly. I remember and, that. And I was terrified of flying for a very, very long time. I also remember that. <laughs> I remember you practically threatening me once when we went to Vegas, going, you will not fucking leave me here alone. Fair I would play. have kicked your ass so hard. I, know. I think Fair you play. only flew out of fear of me. You Pretty were much. more afraid of me than flying on that I, day. You spurred me to go to the doctor and get anti-anxiety, you know, <laughs> to get the temporary Xanax. Yay. Ex- accentuation to my typical anti-anxiety meds. Um, but shortly after that, I, I, some reason after dad died, my fear of flying compounded like, 20 fold. And I got to the point where I knew I had to fly on my company shuttle every week to do something. And I was just fucking terrified. And, um, one night I went to sleep and I dreamed I was on a plane and the plane suddenly started no nose diving toward the ground. And, um, Because in my dream, I was in a smaller plane, I could see through the cockpit and I could see the ground coming up. And I was the first person to notice what was happening. And everyone around me suddenly started like this rising cacophony of screams. And right before we hit the ground, everything goes black. And my dad is standing there. And my dad in my life was always like the stabilizing influence who like when everything was going to hell, he was on the phone making arrangements to get it taken care of or was going out and dealing with the logistics so everyone would be happy. But my my dream completely went blank. And there's dad standing there in his overalls like he always wore and his hat. And he had the what the fuck look on his face that he had every time I did something really stupid. And he just looked at me and crossed his arms and said, you realize this has nothing to do with flying. And then I woke up and I'm like, oh, I think he's right. Dead or not, dad's right. (laughs) (laughs) So he's giving you dead people advice. Yeah. But the, the point was, whether it was dad or whether it was just my dream or what, it was my subconscious working on, this is a period of my life when I'm out of control, when I'm in an airplane, there's... And I obviously, since my dad passed away, had severe issues with control and feeling out of control. So it had nothing to do with flying and it had everything to do with I felt like everything was out of my control. And once I figured that out and went and did a bunch of research on the physics behind flying, like how fast you have to go to get airlift and what the... You know, when you're rising in the air and suddenly you aren't rising so fast, you're not falling. It just feels like you're not falling because you aren't rising as quickly. Once I figured out all that stuff, I've not been afraid of flying, not even during turbulence. Wow. So that has to be some of the best advice I ever got, um, even if it wasn't. Dead or not. Even if dad was. It was awesome advice. Exactly. And it really was life changing because I still have to fly a fucking lot. Well, speaking of dead dads, 
As we are. As we are. I will mention that one of the coolest pieces of advice I ever got. So I was young and hot back then. And I was going to a work party. And I was working at a place. And we had this work Christmas party. And I wanted to look... I wanted to look really, really sexy because I was, you know, 21 years old and I wanted to look amazing. And my dad, I didn't have any money and my parents were going to buy me a dress for this party. And my dad took me out shopping because my dad had actually, when he was younger, decided that he was going to be a fashion designer. And he moved to California and lived in Los Angeles for a little while and decided to do this. I saw that. Yeah, he did. And he did all this kind of stuff and then decided that I don't know why he didn't stay out there. I didn't get like all the story behind it. But he said, the one thing you need to know whenever you want to look and feel amazing, you don't want to wear something skin tight. You don't want to wear something that like hugs everything you've got. It's like totally everything. You want to emphasize your curves and you want to suggest them. And you want to leave the rest to the imagination because you're going to look so much sexier in that. If you're just suggesting the hint of your breast, the hint of your hips, you emphasize your waistline. You're going to look so much sexier that way than you are if you're like completely skin tight with nothing left to the imagination. Men are visual creatures and they will live in their mind and if they see everything, there's nothing left to their mind. But if they have to imagine it, it's going to be so much more enticing. <laughs> I'm like, whoa. That's, okay, number one, your dad was brilliant. Yeah. Number two, may I emphasize the difference between our dads? Where oh. your dad is all like, this is how you want to be sexy, and my dad in my dream even, which is totally how I'd be in real life, was all, what the fuck are you thinking? <laughs> kind of generally illustrates the differences between our dads. True. It definitely does. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's awesome. But I think he's right, too. You know, if you think about women in the world that are considered sexy, personally, I find somebody like... Um, Kate Blanchett, oh. way sexier than somebody like Kim Kardashian, who's just like kind of slutty. Mm. Yeah, and I don't want to slut shame, but she's, well, I mean, she's very proud of her body. She's, but Yeah, she's proud of her body and she should be. She works hard on it. And I think she's a very pretty person. Like, I think she's got a pretty face and I think she's pretty. And she's worked hard for what she has. It's yeah. Sort of in her own way. But if I'm going to say who's sexy, it's like, I'm going to go with Kate Blanchett or I'm going to go with um, Anne Hathaway, I think is kind of sexy or um, Charlize Theron. And they never wear that skin tight, just completely stuck to you stuff. I can see that. I can definitely see that. So although I will say that the two people who always made me think I could switch teams um, were Salma Hayek. She's hot. She's but she doesn't hot. do skin tight either. She doesn't. I think the only she time that, she ever just the curves. That's right. I think the the only time she ever did the other was in Dust Till Dawn when she um 
Well, I can't remember the name. That's different. That's a costume. But yeah, in, in typical life, she doesn't do that. And yeah. Debbie Mazar. She's beautiful. She looks like the 50s Barbie. That's exactly what I said back in the 90s. She looks like the 50s Barbie. And that's one of the reasons why I found her so beautiful. So, yeah. yeah. She totally yeah. is. So I totally get your point because both of them are very. You know, it's funny that you go for brunettes. I kind of go. Like, I always look at the blondes, like I look at Charlize Theron, I look at Kate Blanchett, I look at, who would make me switch teams? Uh, I don't know. I can't really think of anybody. Hmm. Right so, you're going, so you're going for blondes and I'm going for brunettes. I wonder if we're secretly in love with ourselves. Maybe. Maybe. Okay. What's so, your next, what's your next piece? Okay, so I I have, and I actually added one in the meantime, and I apologize for that. But I think think going back to the work topic, because you talked about the best advice your boss ever gave you. Yeah. Uh, Two best pieces of advice I ever got from bosses. Number one goes all the way back to when I worked for a flower shop. So do you remember when I worked for a flower shop? I do. I loved that flower shop. That was our flower shop for a long time. Wasn't it amazing? It's it's under new owners now because it's been so fucking long ago because I'm so fucking old. Um, Pretty old. Yeah, pretty old. But I still remember the best piece of advice, um, the co-owners. It was owned by a husband and wife. And the husband, okay, it was a flower shop. The husband was a designer. He did such beautiful work and the wife ran all the business stuff and I worked in the business office. So I would take orders. I'd enter orders into the machine, which, you know, this is the early to mid nineties. So it's like a hilarious system based on what we have now. Um, But I was familiar with AS 400s and all that stuff. So, Oh my Lord. (laughs) I know. Right. So I knew how to get everything into the computer so I could print out of the dot matrix printer and, everything um but uh the best advice she ever gave me is one time i was dealing with a customer at the window and taking their order and the phone rang and i reached over and answered the phone and took that order and went back to the customer at the window and she took me uh, to the side afterwards and said i want you to know i understand why you did what you did but the customer in front of you is always more important than the person on the phone because if they bothered to come see you in person, they matter. If they only see enough to call you, then they don't matter. You don't matter as much to them. So give your attention to the person who appears in person. And that has really informed a lot of my career because when I have something very important to discuss, like I will schedule a meeting with the VP to sit in front of him and talk through something if it's a major issue as much as possible rather than just calling or emailing. That makes uh, a big difference. Oh, yeah. Burning the carpets, as one of my friends put it, makes a huge difference in how much credibility you have. I think that's true. I absolutely do. Yeah. The other piece of advice I got from... Um, one of my bosses that I think is one of the best pieces of, of advice I ever got in general. Um, actually, I got from one of my prior bosses after I no longer worked for him. Oh, did I say that right? After I no longer worked for him. Um, 
because he had retired and I had left that company at that time. And I was having some huge issues at my new company. And I actually um, emailed him for advice because um, I'm like, I'm let me give you a hypothetical situation because I don't want to be, you know, unethical or anything. Um, but I did a high level situation and said, do you have any advice for this? And he basically said to quote Shakespeare, which automatically got my attention because English major. Shakespeare, hello. Not now. He said, be just and fear not. And I'm like, okay. So as long as I'm doing, I took that very much as as long as I'm doing what I feel is ethically appropriate, no matter what happens, I know I've done the right thing. Mm -hmm. And that is how I conducted myself for the next few months on that job before I got fired. But, you know, I got a better job afterwards. (laughs) It all worked out. It all worked out. I don't regret not taking the high road and being just because at the end of the day, I ended up in a far better position than I was in at that point. Absolutely. Um, We did get a question from a listener, and I want to go back to this at some point, um, possibly on a later um, episode, where they want to know more about your year on the road. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So I know we can't talk about it right now because that's not what this episode is about, but we do need a little bit more insight into that. And so we'll talk a little bit more about that later, but I think that that kind of speaks to what you were talking about now. So um, I do want to talk about that. I think that what you just said though, parlays well into kind of one of my next things. Mm -hmm. I tend to be, I'll say passionate about certain things when I really when I'm at work, especially, and, and this is mostly work-based when I'm at work, I am very, I care very much. I work at a place where our customer experience is very important and I am very dedicated to making sure our customer experience. Um, my job is to make sure that the people that I supervise give a good customer experience. And so whenever I feel that, something is impeding that or that the customers aren't getting the kind of experience I want them to have, I get very passionate about that. If there's a policy or procedure that's directing something in a way that I feel is impeding the customer experience from being positive, I get passionate and I get, I get very verbose and I can be extremely wordy when it comes to trying to make my point. And I used to make email subjects and emails that were very long-winded. And I had a manager who told me once to make my email subjects succinct and clear, probably no more than three or four words, and that the emails, emails themselves needed to be about two paragraphs with three sentences each, and then to say, talk to me if you want more clarification. Nice. And it's really, really difficult to do sometimes because I want to put so much information and I really want to say, look, this is why we have to fix this. This is so important. This is really, really a big deal. And yet, I also want to make sure they read it. And I know that if I'm sending this up to a couple managers up from me, 
They're not going to read it if it's too long. They're not going to look at it if the subject doesn't make sense. So the subject line needs to be very concise in order to get them to even read the email. And then the email needs to be very concise. If I want to get them to reach out to me and say, tell me a little bit more about this problem. So email subject lines is something that I learned about from a manager. I did what's called a rotation. And that is something where in our company, it's kind of almost like an internship where we get to go to a another job. We get to do another job for a while. It's really a very cool opportunity. When I was actually working as an advisor rather than a manager, I got to do this other job for a full year. I got to try this out in another department, working in another role and see what they did. And it was the coolest thing ever. And I really, really enjoyed it. But I wouldn't have known about that other role. I wouldn't have known about that job, about what that that department, even what they did had I not had the rotation. And this manager, who was only with us for a short time, mm-hmm. and it was such an experience. It was mind-blowing how much I learned that year. And it really shaped who I am as a manager now and who... And the things that I know, it shaped so much of what I know about my job. That is awesome. That is really, really awesome. It was really cool. Um, and I, I, I'd like to build on that a little bit. Um, just that I think, I don't know if you've ever heard of the power of three. I know about something of three, but I think it might be something different than what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. I'm not talking about charmed. Um <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but no, I, show, though, in the beginning, yeah, you know, I'm, uh, uh, we just finished the first season of the reboot and it's pretty cool. So the power of three, some of the other best work advice I ever got is if you can, cons- um, list something in a concise, uh, if you can list anything in threes, it has more impact five and threes. Yeah. Fives maximum, but it reminds me of, um, you know, a format of emails that began at one corporation where I worked because I knew about the power of three thing. And one of the chief executives is very, very adamant about, I want things in threes. I can't process anything unless it's in threes. So I'm like, okay. So I would do the concise email subject like you discussed, and I would do three bullet points And then at the end of the email, I would put all the research behind it in case they wanted to delve into it deeper. So, but it would still have the, this is my recommendation. These are the three reasons why. And I would always find a way to break it down to three. Even if it killed me and took hours to do, I would find a way to cram it under three. (laughs) That's hard. It's hard, but it really makes a difference. It does. And I think that... Working hard to be concise, I think this is important in any role, in any job you're in, being concise and being, speaking in natural language, being concise, not trying too hard to be flowery, you know? I think that Sometimes people try to put extra words in because they think it makes them sound more professional. That's not what you need. You need to be concise. You need to say the word 
that means what you want it to mean. Exactly. Sometimes and you have to dumb it down. Yeah. And get close I, to what you want it to mean. Which goes back to know your audience. What yeah. can your what can your audience process? If they aren't going to process this hyper-technical information, don't give it to them. Break it down into something digestible. Right. You can't you can't say, well, she was quite vituperative, if nobody's going to know what vituperative means. You can say, she was really mean, like a snake. And maybe they'll get that. And then they understand. Yeah. Kind of like every time I see a memo that has recalcitrant or obstreperous in it, I'm like, <laughs> just say they're being bitchy. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, man. Okay. So where does that take us? Um, You know, we referred to, in a previous episode, I don't remember which episode it was, we referred to nine, you're fine, ten, you're mine. Yes. And you were the person who, which, by the way, I don't think I told you, one of our mutual friends from EverQuest, uh-huh. whose um, online name started with Q, uh-huh. um, he was imparting to me the other day that um, because of an app on his daughter's phone, he could tell she was speeding. Really? And I said, what? It, well, isn't she using the nine-year-fine, ten-year-mine method? And he goes... I taught her to go two miles under and I responded, well, you drive like an 80 year old woman then. No so, shit. But for the audience, so, ex- explain. Nine, you're fine. Ten, you're mine. There's a, there's an, an, a corollary that is also four, you're fine. Five, you're mine. And this has to do with highway versus city driving. And I'm sure it's different in different towns, but I learned this from a police officer. I used to work with police a lot in a previous job. And one of the police officers told me. They loved her. On the side, they said, you know, one of the things is if you're speeding, you need to understand our speeding tickets in this town, in this town, don't even have an a dollar amount assigned for four miles under the speed limit over the speed limit so four you're fine five you're mine if you're going four miles over the speed limit in town you're going to get a warning if you're going (laughs) five miles over you're probably going to get a ticket he said when you're on the highway the tickets don't have anything if you're only going nine miles over the speed limit. The tickets don't start to assess a fee until you're going 10 miles over the speed limit. So nine, you're fine. Ten, you're mine. Non-standard disclaimer, please uh, acknowledge that this is not legal advice and should be implemented at your own discretion and you are responsible for your own consequences thereof. Absolutely, because every jurisdiction has its own rules and regulations. That said, I abide by that pretty much at all times. Same. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm in a different jurisdiction now. I seriously, we drove all the way home from the Midwest today, and I went nine miles over the speed limit consistently (laughs) the whole way home. 
I often drive all the way across the Midwest, and I will say there is only one town in Missouri that I will specifically go only three miles over because I know they're militant about (laughs) anything over than that. But otherwise, meh, nine's fine. Yeah, and um, along that same kind of in the same job, I What word did you just use? In the same job. Oh, I thought you said Janab. And I was like, what fucking phrase is that? It's not even a word. It's not, but I'm drunk. I like it. I love you. <laughs> so one of the things that I did was I per- I performed. I didn't perform. I <laughs> created the festivals. I created parades. I put together um, concerts and things like that. Like somebody actually plans parades. I don't know if you guys knew this. Like the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Somebody has to plan that. And here's what goes into that. Somebody has to order the barricades. Somebody has to order the porta potties for the corners of the streets where the people are going to be. Somebody has to make sure that the police are on board and that the streets are properly blocked off. And all of these things have to be tended to. Every town in America who has a parade, all of these things have to be seen to and somebody has to do it. You have to petition the city for closing the streets down. You have to get barricades ordered. You have to get porta potties ordered. And here is the thing that is important to know when you're planning a festival, when you're planning a party, when you're planning any kind of big event, portable restrooms are important. (laughs) One portable restroom has approximately 200 uses. So you see those Johnny on the jobs, those honey buckets, 200 uses per honey buckets. That's what they're called sometimes. So 200 uses per, if you're having a big, huge festival and the festival has a lot of alcohol you're going to need more if there's going to be a lot of women there you need even more because women plus alcohol needs bathrooms oh fucking thank you if it's going to be like a lot of men like if it's safe it's a mm like an mma thing men can find a tree to hide behind right fucking metal pee on whatever you don't need a lot more you need them because some people are going to take a shit that's just what it is but you don't need as many more as if it's going to be heavy on women 200 uses per porta potty that's something you need to know that's a piece of advice that i wish i knew there you go. That's a piece of advice that I'm giving you because not everybody knows that a portable restroom has 200 uses. So if you are an architect building a building for anything where people might show up, please, for the love of God, include the extra women's restrooms. I'll tell you a story. My father was building a big building and my mother was instrumental in ensuring that there were enough restrooms for women in the building that my father was part of designing. So like a stop clock, your mother is right at least two times a day. Especially when it comes to bathrooms. There we go. Make of that what you will, dear audience. We love you. All right. We have a few more pieces of advice to go. Yes, we do. And I want to jump in here, completely changing topics, but I don't give a shit. This needs to be said. Jillian, 
Jillian gave me the best advice of my <laughs> fucking life. Ladies, marry an IT guy. This is for you. This is for you. Because as Jillian put it when I met John the Brit, they're just happy to have a girl. And from a lifetime of playing video games, they're likely very good with their hands. But I'm bummed. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's true. They're good with their hands. They've been fantasizing for a long time about what they would do when they got a real girl. Nope. And I will verify, my husband told me I was so happy to have a real girl, I'd do anything I could to keep her. So it's important and it's really good information and it really is true. As usual, Jillian's fucking right. Listen to her. She's the always in our podcast name. That's true. Always right. She is. So I am living anecdotal evidence of this premise. So I see we have two pieces left on our list. We have yours and we have mine. Although I did I did add one in the meantime though. I'm All I'll right, be honest. Let's do your last ones and then we'll finish up with mine. Okay. Sounds good. So my last ones, number one, something I learned from my father. Again, you know, if you remember the Was dead, he dead in a dream? Um no, in this case he was still alive. Um so it was so, in real life. I got you. In, in real life. And I still remember vividly the day, well, I still remember the life lesson he taught me just from the way he acted day from day, day to day. <laughs> Start totally over. <laughs> Holy <And> shit. Scene. <laughs> I, I still remember the life lesson he taught me every single day of my life from birth forward. If a man can do it, you can do it. That's good. And don't you ever fucking forget it. I mean, he had me out there throwing hay just like my brother. Um, wait, wait, wait. So not to be a douche, mm-hmm. but was he saying that to literally inspire you or was he saying that because he needed help around the house and he didn't want to do it himself? It could be a little from column A and a little from column B, but to give some of my dad's history, I must also state that his mother actually obtained a master's degree in the 1920s in the Midwest and did not marry until she was nearly 30. And even then, when my grandfather proposed to her, said, give me 30 days to think about it. So my dad was raised by a very powerful, this is the way things are fucking going to be type of woman. So he had some respect for that. Um, Plus, you've met my mom. While she's she's a complete and utter saint, um, she's still a person who will very quietly do whatever the fuck she wants. And you're going to have to just live with it. She will be very quiet about it, but she's going to fucking do it. Um, So I think dad very much learned how to respect powerful women and understand that if a woman set her mind to it, she was going to do it. Like when I told my dad in second grade, I wanted to be an attorney and a research attorney, which I didn't end up being, but close. Um, (laughs) You just like researching. I just love research. Oh, 
my gosh, it makes me so fucking happy. Uh, I, like, I kind of agree, though. It kind of makes me happy, too. I like researching stuff. Thank you. It's beautiful. But dad never once said, no, you can't do that. You're a girl. Even though the first time I said it would have been in 1979. He's like, you go do it. I know you can. So I think it may have been a little of both. Like, holy shit, I've got four kids and only one of them's a boy. The other three have to fucking show up and do their bit. Um, but I was picking apples with everyone else on the orchard at the age of six. I had the big bag around my waist and I just happily plucked those fuckers off the tree. And and dad was pick apples. My dad would tuck his shirt into his pants and he'd like just shove them down his shirt. And he's like, come down with like a big shirt full of apples. It was very fun. That's awesome. You you haven't lived though till you've got a big canvas bag strapped around you with the little opening flap at the bottom, kind of like a pair of those old, old, um, you know, 1880s long johns that open at the butt. Um, and, uh, and you've climbed a tree to pack that thing as fucking full as possible. Because I wouldn't do ladders. I had to do cl- tree climbing, which probably explains why I sure. broke my nose so much when I was a kid. Sure. Well, that's why you look like you do. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> that was a total uh, thing to say. Yeah, fuck you and the horse you rode in on. <laughs> I, never actually, I actually never knew you broke your nose. Your nose looks fine. You know, not even my doctors knew I broke my nose until they did the CAT scan. and went, holy shit, there's a lot of damage in there. I'm like, yeah. Well, nose <laughs> I remember telling mom how did I break my nose so much when I was a kid and mom almost cried because she's like oh no you fell out of so many trees and hit so many branches on the way that we would have gone bankrupt if we had taken you to the doctor every time and she felt horrible about it did I tell you about um one time when I when I went to the doctor when I was two um for my kidneys because I two? went kid- oh okay okay because one of my kidneys was twice this twice the size of the other one there's some kind of weird inherent kidney disease in my family that you just outgrew if you could make it past the age of seven <laughs> which yay. i did yay yay seven was the awesome seven girl. is the magic number it's a magic number um but when i went to the when they took me to the doctor because they're like she keeps having these infections we don't know what's going on and they um, they took my clothes off for the exam and they're like, I was covered with bruises because this was after we moved to the farm and the doctors looked at me and said, how did you get all these bruises? And mom is as naive as I am. So she was sitting there going, what an odd question. <laughs> That's weird. Why are you asking that? <laughs> and then all of a sudden it dawned on mom what was happening. And she was very, very glad I was an early talker. Because I said, oh, this is where the dog knocked me over. And this is where I fell off the tree. And this is where I fell over when I was trying to climb the pump house. And this is where I fell over when I was trying to climb on top of the storm cellar. And this is where I fell. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> All this stuff. And mom's like, oh, thank God. <laughs> so <laughs> they did not call Child Protective Services. <laughs> and mom like, and She's fine. Yeah, they're like, holy shit, you should probably wrap this child in bubble wrap now. Well, I honestly think that's still true. Touche. I really can't deny that. No, you can't. <laughs> I was telling someone at work the other day when we were having like this whole training session. And I'm like, you know, I remember once they almost called workman's comp because I fell out of a chair. And they're like, how did you fall out of the chair? 
And I said, I tried to sit in it and I missed. I just missed. <laughs> and I had a big bruise. So my- like if you said to me, I missed my chair today, I'd be like, did you break anything? <laughs> I know you wouldn't ask, how did you miss your chair? Did someone pull it out? No, you know better. I would totally understand that you just missed it. You just didn't even get close. And did you break anything? <laughs> yep. As I believe we've mentioned in a previous episode, you had me to try, you had to drive me to the emergency room after I, I gave myself whiplash. The emergency room because you gave yourself whiplash for standing up too fast. A little bit more involved in that, but we'll go yeah. with it for now. That's basically it. That's it's basically very it. basic story. Okay, what's the last piece of yours? Okay, the last piece of mine, I think. Um, well, okay, I have two because I added one. Another uh, one? Yeah, I know. I'm awful. But one was, and it was advice I gave to one of my friends the other day who was thinking about applying for this really high-powered position. And she goes, I don't know. I don't meet all the qualifications. And I said, if a man looked at that, would he apply for it? And she said, uh, yeah, he would. And I'm like, then you fucking apply for it. Because she... I know. And she goes, you know what? You're right. There are studies out there showing that men can meet like, I can't remember off the top of my head, 50 or 60% of a job description and still apply for it. A woman won't typically apply for it unless she meets at least 90% of it. So fuck that shit. Fucking apply. That's because women follow directions and men don't. (laughs) Sorry, men. You don't follow directions. We obviously love you, but you know. Yeah. You know. Except for my husband, John the Brit, who is like, unless he meets 150% of a job description, he's scared to apply for it. Yeah. Uh, But he's his own special kind of awesome. Okay, we'll call it that. We'll call it that. Um, The other other piece of advice, which I think is absolutely vital, and this one, the other one was for the ladies – Love it. Um, but this one is for everybody. Know when to ask for help. Because part of being an adult is not just doing it all yourself, no matter what. It's knowing when you can't do it and you need to ask for help getting it done. That's hard. That's a really, really hard one. Because I think that as adults, as women, and I think men do this too. Oh, yeah. I think that we feel obligated to just suck it up and do what we think we're supposed to do I think we see I don't know if we like look at what we think our parents did or what we think our mom or our dad or whoever did like we just think adults do this this is what adults do and I still have days where I'm like fucking what I'm an adult and this is adult shit And I don't even know how to do this stuff, especially when it comes to like Millie's special needs and things like that. Mm -hmm. Having a special need kid is hard. I do not know how to do it all. And I don't even know what to ask for help. We should actually do an entire episode on special need kids at some point. I think that's a good idea. Yeah. Because Millie's special needs and AJ's special needs totally different and nina brings an entirely different set of special needs that we didn't even know until she was 16 that we needed to account for yeah so So. special needs are 
something different and asking for help, especially when you're used to just like, fuck it, I'm just going to do this shit and get it done and do it. Plus not trusting that other people can do it right. Yes. Question everything. So that's hard. Asking for help when you need to ask for help is hard. Um, Okay. So my job allows me the opportunity to take um, a stress leave of absence. And if I'm just, I can't even deal anymore, I can talk to my doctor. My doctor can recommend a stress leave. I can take this stress leave of absence. I wouldn't even know how to talk to a doctor about that. Mm. I wouldn't even know how to do that. And if I recall correctly, your parents are pretty much in same in the same age range as my parents, like the greatest generation, the yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah. My mom's 80, going to be 81. Yeah. And my mom's already 81 and dad would be 82 if he were still alive. And I think your dad is about the same. Yeah. He was about to turn. He would be 80 this year. Yeah. There was just something about that generation that was very suck it up and do what you got to do, which I respect Mm -hmm. because of like, absolutely. But they, they just had a different attitude where it was, and it kind of goes what we discussed in episode six on the anxiety one, a very different, you just suck it up and move on type attitude. Yeah. Um, And, um, it's very hard to realize we don't have to do that anymore. We can ask for help. We can seek help. I just don't, I don't really know how to do that though. Mm-hmm. You're better at that than I am. Wow. That's weird. I'm not used to being better at anything than you are. You're better at a lot of stuff than I am. Uh, just fashion. I- I'm better at fashion and that's pretty much it. Oh, hell no, woman. Good Lord. <laughs> well, you- okay. So in other, moving on to the next little bit. Notice how she avoids the I topic. Left, yeah, yeah. I totally changed the topic. The only thing I have left on my list is cutesy names. Oh, and then we'll book, we'll bookend with Millie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I have some, I have an update. Yes. So. so cutesy store names bug the shit out of me. You know, <laughs> they call it like ladybug clothing or, you know, mommy and me or whatever. It's stupid. I don't, I can't even. But the caveat being, if you have a store name that's cutesy and clever, sign me up for that shit all day long. I found a store one time a long time ago and it was called the summer of our discount tent. And it was a, okay, Brian. right. Isn't that amazing? It was a, like a camping store. That's amazing. <laughs> Love it. It's, you know, Shakespearean quotes. I totally would shop there just because the name of the store is clever. But if you name your, like, hair salon Curl Up and Die, D-Y-E. Which which I've seen in, like, three different states, by the way. Not clever. Not funny. You don't win. No. So, 
The last piece of advice is if you're going to name your store something clever, if you're going to name your business something clever and cutesy, make sure it is fantastically clever and and alludes to something greater than cutesy. Oh, which I do want to give a plug for a place I recently discovered, thanks to one of my friends, um, it, which is, again, in the suburb of Webster Groves, Missouri. I obviously have a friend who lives there who introduces me to lots of cool new stuff called The Novel Neighbor. That's cute. Is it a bookstore? It is an independent bookstore. Nice. It's it's adorable. It has the best shit in the world. And when you come to visit me, I'm going to take you there because they have this whole shelf of items that's dedicated to fun, geeky pop culture stuff. Nice. Like there's a whole shelf dedicated to Princess Bride and another whole shelf dedicated to Lord of the Rings and another whole shelf to Harry Potter. That's excellent. And they had this entire section dedicated to book, um, to kids stuff where the kids can just, oh my gosh, where the kids can just go. (laughs) Yeah. Laugh it up. Fuzzball. Um, Where the kids can just go sit and play and read the books on the shelves and all kinds of fantastic, awesome shit. And it is a beautiful place. If you're ever in the St. Louis area, oh, please, for the love of God, go see The Novel Neighbor, which is just one or two blocks away, by the way, from Civil Alchemy from an earlier episode. Ooh, Civil Alchemy, the booze store. They're more than a booze store, but their booze is fucking excellent. Yeah, looking forward to going there when I come visit you. I know. I need to really put them on the website. I've just been lazy. Well, send me the link and I'll put them up there. God bless you. Yup. Just FYI, you guys, I do all the social media stuff. Gina does all of our podcast editing. If there's things that you want to see or hear, um, let us know. We are happy to do that. Oh, absolutely. And if there's a topic you want us to address, just send an email to alwaysneverwrite yeah, at gmail.com. We have, we have um, Facebook. We have we have a Facebook page you can definitely subscribe. Okay. So we have emails on our website that you can reach us that talks about which like pieces we do. We also have a Facebook page. Please Feel free to subscribe to that and join us on their Facebook page or like it or whatever it is. Um, as the social media person, I'm so cool with stuff like that. Um, <laughs> we have Instagram. Um, our website is alwaysneverwrite.com. Our um, Facebook page is Always Never Write Podcast. You can mm-hmm. find us there. You can find us on Twitter at always never right. <laughs> you I ch- can find us on Instagram at always never right. Um, whatever. Let's see. What else? Um, I think that's it. And, and I will admit that I usually do the Twitter because I'm used to Twitter because I occasionally rage tweet on my personal account, but that's she a whole other story. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta have an outlet somewhere, so bite me. Um, but yes, always never, right? Never. So before we go, you were gonna. We need to book. We need to bookend something. 
We did. So we talked just a little bit about Millie and how she's gone for a month. And I'm really happy that she's gone for a month. That She gets to spend some time with her other family. And I made a bet that it would be 12 days before I would get the message that she's ready to come home. While we were recording, I received the following message. <laughs> I'm already done here. <laughs> She's ready to come home. She said she doesn't like being there. She she was just basically pissed that he has said she had to clean her room. She had another area that she didn't have to clean. And then all of a sudden he said he, she did have to clean it. And so all of those things together, she was done. And I said, well, you know, it'll be okay. You'll be fine. You can do it. It'll be great. You'll have a good time. It'll be excellent for this particular thing. And Millie, by the way, likes to create music and things like that. She's the one who made our intro music. So that is one of the things she likes to do. And so shout out to her for that. But she didn't want to have to do whatever it was he was saying she had to do before she could make more music. So, yeah, she, like, it wasn't even, it wasn't 12 days. I was wrong. Over <laughs> under on 12 days. <laughs> it was less than 24 hours. If you were well, taking no, bets. It was actually 24 hours because it was less than 8 o'clock. It's 8 o'clock now. It was less than 8 o'clock when we dropped her off. Uh, so if you were taking bets at the beginning of the episode, you already know whether or not you won or lost. Yeah. More than 24 hours, but less than 12 days. <laughs> she's ready to come back to Texas. So she's a standard teenage girl. She's like, I'd rather travel eight hours in the car. Screw you guys, I'm going home. <laughs> Screw you guys, I'm going home. <laughs> Fucking awesome. Oh, oh my God. Oh, this show is older than our children. Yeah, it is. Ah. Anyway. But we do want to make sure we say that even though we gave a lot of advice on this particular podcast, we are not professional advice giver people. If this helps you, that's completely awesome. If it doesn't help you, don't sue us. Um, <laughs> seek out somebody who helps. Because we have a good attorney. Yeah, we do have a good attorney. And seek out actual advice giver people if you need help. Um, there are people in the world who do that for a living, and they would be much better equipped to help you with that sort of thing. <laughs> so yes. please do that. Psychiatrists, therapists, life coaches, whatever it is that floats your boat, go that route. Because All we're just thing. we're just giving best friend advice. Yeah, bartenders, ministers, <laughs> Oh, whatever. <laughs> Probably more in the bartender realm. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. Bartenders do that kind of thing. Um, so this has been another episode of Always. Never. Right. Hi, I'm Jill Farrell. And I'm Tina Biggs. And thank you so much for making us a part of your week. We really do enjoy it. We really do appreciate you. And uh, I guess we'll... Talk more next week, my lovies. Yeah, don't forget to like us, comment, subscribe, all those things. Thank you. We love you. Bye. Standard disclaimer. 
Always Never Right is in no way, shape, or form performed or produced by professional advice givers. We've just lived a lot. So if any of our life experiences prove useful, we're happy to share, especially if we can share in an entertaining way. But if you have serious problems, please see a therapist, doctor, psychiatrist, life coach, or someone who is actually trained to know what the hell they're doing when passing out advice. Also, please note that most names and the descriptions of many events have been modified to both make things more entertaining and to protect the innocent, the not-so-innocent, and the flat-out guilty as sin assholes.